Welcome to Householders, a conversation about American life as Zen practice. I'm Inga Annie Wade. And I'm Kyosaku John Mitchell, and we're lay members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. So we've talked about weird stuff that happened to us when we were kids, knowing how, knowing that things were not always how they seemed and normal was a lie. And for me, a lot of it was like, was perception based. A lot of it was, was seeing that reality was not this concrete material, explicable thing that everybody seemed to say it was or think it was weird dreams and other kinds of sort of paranormal experiences. I've had them for so long that I sort of always knew. Well, I sort of, I, I, at first I always reflected on it as meaning I was weird. There was something weird about me Mm -hmm. and that I was having trouble adjusting to the world or I didn't fit into the world or I didn't belong here, meaning on this planet uh, or something like that. And it often manifested itself in pretty legit anxiety and and stuff that that verged into the realm of the psychological as our society would label it and so i saw a therapist at a pretty young age at my parents sort of suggestion to help me with anxiety yeah and it was a short-lived thing and I don't know what it, what effect it had or how my parents determined that I didn't need to go anymore or what. But throughout my life, at kind of every phase of my life, there's always been a moment where it seemed like I should go to therapy. And I have. And I've never taken drugs. I've never taken psychiatric medication for anything. Uh, but I've I've seen a lot of psychologists to try and help me with my whatever with with be, the weird whatever is weird about me. Yeah, and they've never helped, even a little bit. No matter how sincerely I've tried and gone back to them, not like d- dragging my feet as I walk in the door. And I've always run out of things to talk about. Because when I talk about the things that are on my mind, they always kind of shrug their shoulders at best. And sometimes they try and steer the conversation into some territory that they understand that has nothing to do with what I'm saying or why I'm there. Mm -hmm. So long story short, I've always felt like I needed psychological help, but I've never been able to get any psychological help from the people our society certifies for psychological help. Yeah. Whereas I also started on the spiritual path, you know, at a pretty young age and every single step of that process has resulted in some enormous flowering and growth and psychological help. And it's, it's really at this point, I was seeing a therapist last year. Mm-hmm. And when I joined this sangha, I started to feel better. I wasn't feeling better the whole time I was meeting with this person. And then I joined the sangha and then I started to feel better. And so I had the opportunity to part ways with this therapist in a very amicable way by saying, I'm moving to Atlanta now and, you know, I'm going to gonna go 
you know, put down roots there and figure out my ways of taking care of myself there. And I've got the Sangha now and all that. But I knew at that time that I was not going to go find a therapist to continue doing therapy when I got here. Yeah. And uh, I'm not I'm not saying that Zen is therapy. God forbid. (laughs) But I am saying that I think. Maybe. The the system for understanding what this society calls mental health is missing some very critical pieces that are actually only provided in our society by spiritual pursuits, which is also a made-up category. <laughs> <laughs> and incomplete. But that, but there it is. So that's my sort of thesis statement about why therapy doesn't help me. And I wonder what your experience with therapy has been. I have gone to therapy uh, like, here and there when I was younger. My parents were divorced and they took me to therapy. I don't know. I just, I didn't like it. I didn't want to go because I thought that like at the time I was like, oh, well, if, if someone has, if I have to go talk to someone, there's someone, something wrong with me and I can't do it by myself, which I don't, I totally don't think that now. I think if you want to go to therapy, you should definitely go to therapy. And if it helps, that's, that's amazing. Keep going. Mm -hmm. But I didn't at the time because, you know, I was little. And then uh, when I got older, I went back for for a time because actually, like, uh, I was I was raped, and then I went. Then they just said I had depression, which to me was a very situational thing, right? But they diagnosed me with depression, which I don't think is the same thing as being depressed about something. Mm-hmm. You know, the diagnosis of depression is a very serious thing. Uh, and they wanted to, you know, give me medication for that. And they wanted to give me medication when my uncle died. These are very situational things. Yeah. And I was very, very much into why are they subs- prescribing me these medications when there's a situation that made me upset? And I knew that I didn't have like clinical depression, but I was having a hard time mm-hmm. dealing with the tragedies that had Uh, come over me so I decided to go on my own as uh, like an adult adult I feel like when I'm like 19 I I still don't feel like I was an adult so Uh (laughs) based on my therapy when I was 19 I was definitely not an adult yet (laughs) (laughs) I I wasn't either um so I I'm thinking like more I think I started going back at like 23 or 24 and Mm -hmm. I felt like at least I was learning to adult (laughs) at that point. I don't know if I would have called myself pure adult, but I was learning. Um, And that was because, you know, dating my my husband at the time, uh, he was not my husband, but yeah, we were dating. I just had trouble kind of like managing our relationship and stuff. And it kind of caused me a lot of anxieties. Uh, I think I've talked about this before, but you know, we have like sort of opposite attachment styles. It's not so extreme anymore that like we trigger each other, but we used to trigger each other because I have anxious attachment style and he has an avoidant attachment style. So I will be wanting affection and wanting uh, reassurance and stuff. And when I, when I want that, he pushes me away, mm-hmm. but not so much anymore because we've worked on it and um, we've both gotten better about being the way we are. 
and I'm sure this stems back in a lot of ways to my dad and when they got, my parents got divorced and I didn't see him a lot. So there was kind of this sort of insecurity of anybody could leave at any time. You know, mm -hmm. there's no like, I could see the connection. Yeah. yeah. There's no security. And I just, it's always been a problem with my relationships because I choose avoidant men. I don't know. They're attracted to me too, so it's just one of those weird things where th those uh, those opposites really attract, but mm -hmm. they're not necessarily good for each other, mm -hmm. um, unless you're like me and Ian, and we worked really hard at it because we really loved each other. So that's why I went to therapy. I'm not saying it didn't help, because so I don't want to say that there was different problems with it than it whether it helped or not. Um, I think it's great to be able to talk to someone yeah. um, and reflect on, see if you're doing something wrong versus um, if you're in the right. And a lot of times I was in the right, so that was kind of nice to mm -hmm. to be validated uh, at times. So my therapist was really good. I kind of considered him more of a friend than than a therapist. I saw him for like three years, and he also helped me like kind of manage my um, my social security because I was worried about losing it at the time and I wanted to get through school before I lost my social security and he helped me at that and like mm -hmm. vocational rehabilitation and stuff. Um, so he was really helpful with like finding tools for me. So vocational rehabilitation had paid for my um, therapy, but basically he said, well, if you like miss too many things, I have to tailor vocational rehabilitation and they will cut you off if, mm -hmm. you know, if that happens. And they were paying also for my schooling. So I was like, I got to keep going then. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I went for so long. He also put me in a dialectical behavioral therapy group. Mm -hmm. He never really told me like what his diagnosis was of me. He said, maybe you have anxiety, but he didn't like, he didn't like say, here's your diagnosis. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, but he said dialectical behavioral therapy that helps with a lot of things. So, you know, don't worry. It doesn't mean that you have uh, borderline personality disorder, which is what it was designed for, uh -huh. um, which is a very serious disorder. I definitely don't have that, but yeah. So this is kind of where things where I just didn't feel like it, I was really aligning with the dialectical behavioral therapy. It is designed by a woman named uh, Dr. Marsha M. Linehan, um, and we used her books, so that's why I'm mentioning her if, if anybody was ever interested in doing dialectical behavioral therapy mm -hmm. a lot of their insights actually come from zen huh. and this is kind of where to me like it's distorted enough where i think it takes sort of the essence out of it that mm -hmm. would make things work when you go back to buddhism you go all the way back how all buddhism is connected and you're going to go to the four noble truths and the eightfold path but I feel like in this group in particular, it really was about like being able to get the things that you want too. So a lot of the people in my group uh, really liked things like the law of attraction. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole school, there's a whole genre of those, right? It's just sort of like secular positive thinking that manifests all of the specific things you put on your list for Santa Claus into your life. Yes. Right? Yes. Why I think it's flawed is 
because I mean, obviously I, I'm a Buddhist, so I kind of believe that like, well, life is suffering, right? And life is dukkha. And if you, if you just want all these things and you're just focusing on the things that you want, I don't think you're ever going to become any happier. You're suffering on purpose. Yeah. So I want a lot of things, uh, but I have to realize at some point that those things that I want are not going to make me happier. And I, mm-hmm. I think that there was just all these, this, this disconnect where people were like, yeah, you know, no, it's okay to want like a, you know, a, a million dollars or whatever. Some of the people, there was this one guy in there that wanted a million dollars <laughs> or he wanted to be a millionaire. And I'm like, oh. what, why? Like, what? I don't even know which of those is a worse way of constructing it for yourself. It's like, do you want to have the money and then have all the stuff that comes with that? Or do you want to identify as a millionaire? Like that, that ego part being the important part. It's like, but either way, it's, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't sound like a good starting point for therapy. Right. So it's like, it was just always so against like what I wanted to do with myself and it was hard going there listening to people talking about like the law of attraction like there the in in my therapist was like what you have to tell yourself is like the universe is conspiring in your favor and i'm like well i don't believe it is and i think that's very creepy sounding (laughs) well yeah it is really kind of creepy but also here's the problem two problems with that one there's a lot of children out there who are suffering and it doesn't seem the world like the world is really conspiring in their favor where lots of people really, I don't think it's fair to say that the, the world is conspiring in my favor. Yeah. Doesn't, isn't that to say that it's conspiring in everyone's favor, but it's not. And I have been pretty happy when things go wrong in my life, I can find ways to, I don't know. I can, I can, I can really find the, what I can do, you know, like, well, well, sure, like, I can't go on three hour long hikes in the, uh, you know, in the mountains, but I can still go on hikes, you know, I, um, I can't dance for four hours, but I can dance, dance for 15 minutes. Um, and I can do a lot with the computer, you know, mm-hmm. my, my knees, my, my bone disorder doesn't keep me from doing a lot of things. But to them, I don't know, to the only, I guess the only reason I think they would say this is because of my dad who was like, well, you need to try to look for like a solution to that. And I'm like, my solution is just learning to accept it and finding all the ways that my life is still good and how I can use that to like really grow it. That's what works for me. So with the, yeah, sort of the, the, the positivity kind of stuff. I don't know. I just, I, I just feel like it's, I don't know if it's going to work. Does it like, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Is the approach that you're describing, which of course, you know, sounds familiar. I mean, like that kind of equanimity that you just laid out, like that's a very, I mean, if, if I may Buddhist outlook uh, on life, that that adjusting to the way things are is is the most productive path forward i can certainly see how you found that sort of practice and guidance in zen have you ever had a therapist that sounded like that to you no Hmm. i mean the the doctor told me (laughs) yeah he was just being realistic well, I mean, I right. had to get a second opinion of the doctor, and the the second doctor was like, "Look, 
I, you know, I looked, I looked at your MRI and we would have to give you like six surgeries in the same leg and it still probably wouldn't work. So I would just adjust your life around it. Oh, and that was like, oh okay. I see what you're saying. You mean your medical doctors were <laughs> yeah. the best therapists that you had about all of this. At least about that. It, you know, it cemented yeah. it. I was like, okay, I'm going to stop looking for solutions for this yeah. because this is stressful. Yeah. It, it's hard. I don't think people understand that like when you have a medical condition that there's not really like a good solution for, some people will continue on the path to just keep finding things until, mm-hmm. you know, but to hold on to that, to hold on to that hope that things are going to be like they used to is stressful. Yeah, sure. So for me, it's always just been much easier to just be like, okay, this is how things are. What can I do? What can I do to help myself? What can I do to adjust to this situation? And it's been very effective for me because I was in a wheelchair not that long ago. And now I walk just fine. So... I mean, I did a lot to to get to where I am, but I didn't search for cures that probably aren't going to work. I feel like there might be a step that I missed in sort of the process of your therapy. Like you you were talking about going back to therapy as an adult for relationships that I did understand very well. And then you said you had to keep going in order to keep the sort of support structure that was that was getting you there yeah are you saying that like over time the issues that started to come up really became about your health and your and the pain and the like where like you made that switch yeah i'm somewhere. sorry about that that's uh it's all kind of interconnected for me i'm sure it is yeah <laughs> but like that but that was something you were working on in therapy too in this in the same sort of setting well he was helping me like i i guess the the connection i had with that was because he was helping me uh um, navigate the sort of social security end of it you know and the vocational rehabilitation which was very much connected uh mostly to my illness not the not the mental illness right i don't think my mental illness was big enough to kind of like make me a disabled person but Right. Physical gotcha. illness for sure. So that's why I had social security in the first place. Um, and I was, yeah, I was going through school and I was afraid of losing it. And he was like, well, I actually used to work for social security, so I can help you kind of figure this out. Mm-hmm. So that was, like I said, that was the most beneficial thing about therapy. That was awesome. Cause yeah. you know, I was able to get through my bachelor's degree. It was entirely paid for by, by, vocational rehabilitation and that was through mm-hmm. his help i wouldn't have known about it without without him there's all these resources and nobody knows about them so yeah i mean like that's the side of the mental health umbrella of kinds of institutions that is irreplaceable that that our society sort of tasks people with the skills uh, of basically taking care of human beings in this in the in a social interpersonal and psychological way with all kinds of like fit like actual resources like that like you know social work and and you know the, like there's there's all these there's all these uh people who are basically therapists whose job it is to sort of make sure people don't fall through the cracks of our society and and that there there is something i've always found that to be kind of a beautiful thing like the place where this where like government or, or or you know the 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 administration of public life like seems like this inhuman thing where you you know the dmv is not like a place where you go to have human connections 
or, or or like school public school you know like there's there's always such a feels like such a tragedy to me of the loss of the opportunity for you know human beings to really encounter each other in learning which is like the most human activity there is uh and it's made so faceless by just sort of the needs of the bureaucracy but then there are just all these there are these few places where people who have these humanity skills have a place to fit into this structure of the society that holds it together and this one this thing that you're describing is a perfect example of it because it's like it helped you be okay and the the that that whole area is like this underfunded thing those people are underpaid it's not like a thing that the society really fully believes in and then on but then on the other side and this is where most of my therapy experience has been there are these i, I i'm a little hesitant to say because my mom is, is a psychologist and i don't <laughs> want to sound like i'm 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 dissing her profession but there's there's but, but she's she doesn't do this this isn't the kind i mean like there are great psychologists of course that that really help people and that only take clients that need help and help them uh and don't and, and you know find ways to have to make this like an affordable thing that everyone can have to the best of their ability but there are also these people who are just like paid at this ridiculous professional level of society to just kind of sit on a chair and listen to people kind of be narcissistic at them and then you know tell them stuff about books they read in college or graduate school and then they have this totally cerebral conversation that i'm sure really helps some people but like i've been in so many psychologists offices that where where we were just talking about nothing it was like being in a job interview and the, the disparity i mean the first thing i want to say about it though is that the disparity between like the niceness of those offices of the these psychologists with their fancy degrees and like the kinds of offices that most people have to go to in order to get any kind of help with anything in this country and the level of compensation for those workers who are there like it's disgusting to me there's like there's almost this like recreational rich person mental health industry <laughs> and then and then there's and which is not to say that rich people don't have serious mental health issues just that like the institutions created to take care of them in the in terms of mental health are just basically there to extract money from them yeah and 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 then like the 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 side of this field that actually helps people is just like like this cruel underfunded thankless place i mean you're absolutely right i uh i would say my therapist was uh the i guess he was intermediate because he was expensive but you know, I think he found this loophole with vocational rehabilitation that he could get sort of poor clients and get vocational mm -hmm. rehabilitation to, to like pay for them, which was, you know, very considerate when I think about it that he... That sounds honorable you know. to me. It sounds like working the system to help people. Yeah, for sure. But like I I had I had a therapist, my, my first freely elected adult therapist, like when I was an adult, I mean, uh, let's see. I was probably 23 years old, so I wasn't 19 anymore, I guess. Uh, so that was an improvement in my level of relative adulthood. But I, I, I had a breakup. I, I, I had been in a long relationship and we moved out west together and it was this whole like big sh commitment 
that we made and then it fell apart and we broke up and like it was okay it was like a peaceful and beautiful separation but i was i was out there on my own all of a sudden i had and i sort of didn't know what the hell i was doing and needed to figure out whether i was going back or where you know or going forward even more you know i just i was completely adrift uh and i started looking for therapists in the area uh this was in portland oregon and i found a guy who had zen in his on his website as like a thing an aspect of his practice and his therapy practice i mean and so i went to this office and i went in and there was like a water fountain with bamboo and like zen garden stuff and like an and so like a cheap like postcard size picture of an enso on the wall next to his you know phd from wherever the hell and and he you know i i guess like his his zen way of doing therapy was to not do anything what you know like zen zen you know that's what is that's what a zen a zen therapist would would non do therapy right like that would be the joke about what a therapist that was doing zen therapy would do i mean but even sensei does dokusan so well of course sensei's so hands on compared <laughs> to this guy like i get so much more help from sensei than i got from this guy and i really feel like he was trying to manifest some kind of zen ideal of like just allowing the patient to find his own way through this process and just be there as this Zen presence. And it was, it was like the biggest waste of money of my life. And the, the fact that there was Buddhism involved is what got me in the door. And it was such a failure that it it was years before I went back to Zen. Wow. Actually after that. And it wasn't because of that in any conscious way. It was just like I sort of associated Zen with this weird, like not helping that this guy was doing. Oh, that's sad. It, it was sad, but like I, 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 I knew there was something about that approach to reality that was going to help me, but it wasn't paying someone whatever I was paying him, which I don't remember, but it was way more than I could afford to to not do anything while i'm you know like i was i was supposed to be the one practicing zen you know yeah. like i I'm, i wasn't supposed to be talking about all my neuroses to somebody who was basically doing zazen and not talking back to me <laughs> well maybe he should have just had a, a meditation like you know session instead of trying yeah, to mix the two together sit on a cushion yeah in there but but the, it's the, the thing i'm trying to point to is is that this this stuff is conflated in our society in a really strange way that I don't think anybody has fully worked out. Well, yeah. Now that we've both talked about it, both of our experiences had something to do with intermixing Zen into therapy in some form or another. Yeah, I mean, this was a pretty minor. This was only a few months. The the therapist that I the last one, the one that I had last year, was a much more serious attempt at. Uh, doing some sort of integrated spiritual and psychological work. And this person had, you know, stu- she had some Jungian thing. Like she, she'd studied all the depth psychology and all this mythical archetypal stuff. And so we could talk in a very intellectual way about the spiritual path that I found satisfying to talk about. Like you said earlier, like it's nice to just have someone to talk to. But the the work wasn't happening in there. You know, 
discussing it and figuring out what was happening maybe sometimes. But the, the, the thing that became clear to me was I'm doing spiritual work. I'm not doing psychological work. Not that I really believe that either of those categories are like discrete, easily defined things. But the fact is the stuff we do in Dokusan and the stuff that we do in the Zendo is the stuff that helps me with the things that I feel that I have related to thus far in my life as problems. And it's I'm not saying that this is, a, you know, you had to do this disclaimer earlier. I'm going to do it now. I'm not saying that this is a replacement for mental health care. I'm saying that I was told that I had mental health problems when what I actually had was spiritual problems because that's how our society looks at things. And I, I'm, I, I'm tired of using our society as this sort of straw man that has like, like as though it's this intentional agent that like decided that spirituality is bad and psychology is good. It's obviously a complex thing, but the householder's message of this for me is that I want it to be normalized to talk about spiritual issues with each other in an everyday way so that everybody's default response when somebody's having a hard time isn't necessarily you should go to therapy because that's not that's not what I needed to hear almost ever in my life. And yet I went to therapy so much. <laughs> I mean, going going back to it, of course, I, like I said, I felt like I just had to go. So I, I went to the therapy for three years. And then at one point, a vocational rehabilitation lost money. And then uh, he was like, I'm sorry, but the, yeah, they're not funding it anymore. But he's like, you can still go to DBT for free. Like, I just, you know, it's nice to have certain, di you know, people's dynamics in there. And I did for a little bit, but I'm like, I really, I really just want to go back to Zen. Uh, there was nothing really that replaced the the feeling of just sitting regularly and being with a sangha, and they were the dialectical behavioral therapy was sort of like having a sangha. It was people that you could you could see every week and kind of tell about your your problems, and they would be you know non judgmental about it. Uh, but our values, like I was talking about before, didn't align in the same way. And it was frustrating to a point where I was like, I have something that works for me, um, thinking in a certain way and, and meditating regularly. This isn't, this isn't it. So I guess my experience is pretty similar to yours mm -hmm. <laughs> in some ways. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there were clearly for you, there were some real therapy issues that were worth doing therapy about at least some of the you know like the relationship attachment style stuff like that yeah. that is stuff that you see a therapist about and and i've had my fair share of those too i mean a lot of what actually got me in the door this last time with this with this Jungian person was kind of inability to be uh it was really about relationships with my wife and kids really it was it was about having trouble kind of being the person in the family that i needed to be yeah which did feel like psychologist stuff to me at least for a while until it just opened up into this present moment thing 
you know it was what it was really about was just like being fully alive every moment that i was with them and there while there were definitely psychological strategies i could employ there was also the strategy of just like waking up to reality as frequently as i possibly could and realizing what it what it expected of me I, and i i do think that some psychological apparently psychological issues open up that way and i do think others don't especially when they have you know gnarly sort of long standing backgrounds like the like the one you're alluding to with your own family mm-hmm. but but like do you do you ever talk to sensei about that stuff about those feelings like does i don't i don't know what your current dokusan situation is or what it's been in the past but like is that a thing that you would bring into a zen environment to talk about no i don't think so and honestly mm-hmm. i didn't really talk about it in in therapy either it really was the therapy was also like very present moment. Like sometimes I would try to bring up like the past situations and he's like, well, actually, you know, it doesn't really matter that much. Mm. Uh, We could just work on what's going on right now. So I would just tell him what was going on, you know, like, Oh, you know, like me and my husband argued about this thing and uh, you know, kind of, listen and give me advice on that i don't know that that's something that i would go to sensei for Uh but it seems like if i'm meditating pretty regularly i don't really have to have those discussions Mm. i mean there's something kind of refreshing to me to hear that to hear a therapist say we don't have to belabor your past we can just talk about how you're responding in the moment right now like obviously you know we have some sort of maybe we could call them religious beliefs about that way of responding to things being the right way. But, but there's also, I mean, I, I feel, I feel sensitive to or hesitant about kind of dismissing people's histories, like as a factor in what's happening to them in the present moment. But, but because I mean, people talk about their histories, they talk about it as part of who they are and this identity, they identify a lot with it. And and I would never, I would never presume to take that away from anyone else. But then when I look at myself, that I'm doing that all the time. I'm looking at like all these stories I have about all these things that happened to me. And yeah. I'm saying, there's nothing, there's nothing real about any of this. All that's real is what's here. And he and even that is questionable. So why not just try responding to what happens next from whatever original place my response comes from instead of filtering it through this whole long story and 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 i i I, that doesn't sound like a thing that a psychologist says like i'm 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 pleasantly surprised to hear that your therapist said that i was surprised i don't i don't know why he he didn't want to go into the past i kind of wanted to talk about it because i i thought it was important but a lot of times i see people delving into that and it seems like they get more um i don't know they get more upset about it by Mm -hmm. rehashing it and i don't like i don't know maybe this this does work for some people i i don't really know but it's just been anecdotally from what i've seen other people how other people do it it doesn't seem like it's it's helping all that much except for like just really digging in there scratching up old old wounds or something that's totally how it feels to me when i do that about my own past Oh yeah, like especially if you're just like sitting and you're oh, upset God. one night and you're like, <laughs> yeah. 
wow, I just remembered something really sad and I'm upset that I went through that and why didn't I know any better? Why couldn't I have avoided a situation like this? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes bringing stuff up from, from then can kind of feel like that, like bring up feelings of like, I why didn't I know any better? Why didn't I do something mm. like this differently? And there's nothing you can do about it now, right? Yeah. It already yeah. happened. Well, we're not doctors. No. So we're not giving anybody any advice about anything. But the the point I feel like I want to leave it on is like, so, uh, there are just so many ways into what's happening to us at any given time. And the thing that's helped me the most is being open to all of them and not deciding what the problem is, you know, staying open to whatever explanation of how I'm feeling right now is both the way I figure out that I'm feeling this way because of a memory of something that happened when I was very young that reminds me of this and how I figure out, oh, I'm actually just hungry right now and I should just go eat a sandwich and then I'll feel fine, mm -hmm. you know? And if, if I get so locked into some thing I'm working on in the day, in the weekly work in the therapy office, it becomes the only explanation that I can think of for why things are the way they are. And, and I, I think that it has, therapy has revealed valuable explanations for some things that were the way they were at the time for me that has released powerful emotions. And I cannot, some of those releases have been very powerful and very important to me. But I also trust myself to be able to see into what's happening right now to me and untangle it and let go of it. And I have to practice doing that. That's what that's what Zen practice is. Mm -hmm. But it is something I get better at over time by myself. I mean, not by myself with the Sangha, but of course you're on your own on that cushion. Householders is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Silent Thunder Order. Find us on the web at ASZC.org. Our Sangha depends on your support. You can donate by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gasho.